hope that you have had a great weekend thus far. The, the rain seems to have held off uh, so far. It's still kind of gray, but I hope you're still having a great weekend. If you are coming back from spring break vacation, you got back either yesterday or Friday or even this morning, uh, I hope you had a great vacation and you are well rested and uh, ready to go. I say I hope that you uh, have enjoyed those things or experienced those things because it's quite possible that you haven't had a good weekend. Or maybe you didn't just come back from vacation. Maybe you, um, you, you've been working and you just got off work. In that case, you're probably saying, Shan, that's great, but the things that you hope for don't apply to me. Which is an important understanding because this morning, I really want you to know that I know a hope that applies to everyone, everywhere, for all people, for all time. I'm going to tell you about that today, even though I know that the Easter, more than likely that you've experienced this weekend already, or maybe Easter's in the past, uh, seem to have strayed from where it all began. And that's okay. It really is. Celebrations adapt over time and they shift with culture and, and, and family changes and things that go on. I, um, I can remember the days. I, it, it was really fun just a little bit ago when uh, everyone was coming in and little toddlers. And I remember putting out plastic eggs full of chocolate and, and, uh, and starburst, uh, uh, um, uh, starburst jelly beans. Thank you. Uh, they are from the evil side of places, but so we'd put them in the we'd put them in the plastic eggs, you know, and 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 the to- I remember you know watching kids waddle and their bag would be too heavy and you you were watching picking up the eggs and and those were great until you're cutting the lawn three months later and you find one of those eggs that you forgot that was in there and and the ants are all in it you know it kind of it changes the whole perspective and you think no that's not what easter is about easter's not really about plastic eggs even though we had a blast and easter's not really about green plastic grass and baskets even though it's so much fun and we have great memories because easter is more than that because if easter is only a hope for an uneaten chocolate bunny, then we have a weak weekend. If Easter is only about making sure you have a seat at the table for some of that ham, then your hope is actually pretty lean. I want to tell you about a hope that's far greater, far more powerful and can do more than the collective group of us here this morning can possibly imagine. I want to tell you about a story that happened a long time ago, but still, you, each and every one of you, are a part of it. That is Easter. That's the difference between average hope and real, eternal hope. Let me tell you a story as a means of preparing you to understand that this hope really is for everyone. We're celebrating Easter today. 
Easter for the Christian world is the day that believers in Jesus remember the day that he rose from the dead after being in the grave for three days. That's Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. It's preceded by that day that just happened a couple days ago. That's called Good Friday. We call it good because uh, God in his goodness allowed Jesus to die for us you and me for our sin, for my sin, for your sin on the cross. That's what Christians celebrate. The story uh, begins a long time ago when Jesus uh, began to uh, be on the scene in and around Jerusalem. He began to teach about God and his teaching was not necessarily profound as much as it really just kind of upset the power structure of the ancient religious leaders of the time. For those of you that think that uh, power struggles really only happen in our lifetime around Washington, D.C. or Beacon Hill or anywhere else, no, power struggles have been going on ever since, uh, ever since, period. And the struggle really uh, then is no different than now. The religious leaders of the day really thought that Jesus was trying to usurp their power, and so they charged him falsely. And on those false charges, they had him arrested. And in that process, he was convicted of a crime that he did not commit. And that conviction brought with it a death sentence. And so Jesus, on a Friday a long time ago, was executed on a cross for sins that he did not commit. Now, that's unfair and it's not right, but God used our inappropriate application of justice for his purposes. And what he allowed to have happen then was that God let Jesus die for my mistakes. Jesus die for your mistakes, for my sin, for your sin. God allowed that to happen, and Jesus willingly allowed that plan to take place. That's what Christians celebrate at Good Friday and at Easter. Now, um... I know that when I tell you those kinds of things, it's, it, it, sometimes our heads kind of go sideways a little bit like the dog when we talk to it, you know, just, because what are you saying? I mean, that, I, I, I get that that's an, a neat story, but that, that's hard to accept and receive. I, I get that. The, it was hard for the people who were there to receive it, to hear it. Because I don't know about you, but I've been there, and I know that many of you have. Uh, I've gotten the phone call late at night. Your grandfather died today. I've gotten the phone call in the middle of the day while I was working. You need to come in. Your father-in-law died of a heart attack today. I've gotten those calls. You've gotten those calls. And when that happens... Time seems to speed up and slow down in the exact same place. And it doesn't matter whether it's Wednesday or Saturday. I don't care what day it is. I don't care what time it is. Everything seems to change. And I remember black dresses and tears and hopelessness. And Friday... For those that were there, Good Friday for those that were there was not good. They thought that Jesus was going to do so much more 
They just didn't know. They thought that Jesus was going to be a king, but the king that he became wasn't the king. The king that he became was the king that we needed, not necessarily the king that we wanted. That's the story. And I can tell you my story about those phone calls I received. You could tell me your story. You could recount it. You can probably remember where you were, what you were doing, what happened in the days that followed when people that were close to you passed away and what happened in the services and how that all. You could recount that. You could write that down. And the same thing happened with Jesus. And it didn't just happen once or even twice. There's a whole bunch of people that wrote stories down about what happened that Friday and that Saturday, and that Sunday. I'd like to tell you uh, about one of them. But before I do, please understand, God did this because he loves you, and he knows you. And more than that, he knows you and loves you, and because of that, he did something about it. That's what the story is really all about. Luke chapter 24. Luke is one of the men that wrote a story about Jesus. And there's an interesting story about two men who are talking about everything that have ha- everything that's happened on that Friday and that weekend and then even that Saturday morning. And the story takes place with two men just kind of talking about maybe what they heard and what they've seen and what they've known and everything that's going on. Starting with verse 13, it says this. Now that same day, it's the Sunday, that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. Same way that you and I watch the news or hear about it on the radio and driving down the road, and you're talking about it. These guys are walking down the road, and they're just talking about everything that's happened. As they, dis- as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things <coughs> excuse me <coughs> not know the things they have ha- that have happened here uh, there in these days? What things he asked about Jesus of Nazareth? They replied, he was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. Hope. And what is more, it's the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but they didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, 
he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it's nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us when he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the 11. Those were people who were re- men who were really close to Jesus as well as others. There um, they found the 11 and those with them assembled together and saying, it's true. The Lord is risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. And while they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. They were startled and frightened. We would be too. Thinking that they had saw a ghost, he said to them, why are you troubled and why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands. Look at my feet. It is I, myself. Touch and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while I still did not believe because of joy and amazement and because nothing like this had ever happened before, he asked them, you have anything to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and he ate it in their presence. Because ghosts don't eat. He said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures and he told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. One of the interesting parts about what happened that weekend is for the most part, nobody really knew what was going on. And they wrote it like they didn't know what was going on. The twist of justice, unequal justice, if you will, applied uh, in Jesus' case, did not surprise them, but it did. It did not surprise them because they knew that the leaders didn't like Jesus. But it still surprised them when it all went down. And they mourned the death of their friend just like you have mourned the death of your friends they mourned and when Sunday came they didn't believe because nothing like this had ever happened before Jesus was arrested publicly Jesus was tried 
publicly. Jesus was executed publicly. And Jesus showed up to everyone alive publicly. One story, two story, five stories, a bunch of stories. And everybody, you know what, everybody, you, know, I can, you and I can just imagine the conversations. I, uh, you're not going to believe this. But let me tell you what happened. I, you, you're not going to believe this. Let me tell you what I saw. You see, hope of the kind of which I'm speaking isn't about a weekend off or a rested vacation time. You and I don't hope for things that we know we can probably bring about. We hope for things that are beyond our power. That's what we hope for. And we put our hope in God because we believe nothing's impossible for God, even when God says that he's going to do things. Because you see, in the beginning, hope, really, when it's all said and done, hope is a promise. Hope is a promise. We know that God has power. If he doesn't have the kind of power that we're talking about, then he's not God. I mean, he's just not. And there are aspects of our understanding that we, we get, and there are parts of our understanding that we don't understand. There are things that we don't get. But we're not supposed to understand everything from God because if we did, we'd be God. And we're not, so we can't. I mean, it's kind of going around and around, but you get the, what I'm saying. Hope is a promise. And when the men are walking down the road, they have seen and, and heard uh, things that Jesus has done and they were amazed when he did them, but they're thinking, well, that was a neat ride while it was going on. And Jesus comes up, and you know what he starts the resurrection of hope with? The promises of God. He says, how slow you are to believe all that the, promise, all that the prophets have spoken. And they're no different than you and I would be. Someone walks up and says, let me tell you. And we're going, yeah, you read that at Wikipedia, didn't you? No, I saw it. And then this person over here tells a story, and they talk about, and then this person over here tells a story, and they talk about, before you know it, this thing's got legs. And Jesus himself begins to say, wait a minute. Hasn't God been talking about this all along? Doesn't this sound a lot like the things that God has promised? There was a guy named Abraham. If you know his name, God promised him some things. And there was another guy named Moses, if you know his name, and God promised him some things. And there was another guy named David, and God promised him some things, and other guys that God promised. And what did, God, what did those guys do? They wrote those things down. And generation after generation, they said, one day, God, see, God made a promise, and one day it's going to come true. And what Jesus is saying, hey, you remember all those guys and what they wrote down about what God had promised them? Today's the day. It's happening. And it's happening right now. There are lots of things that you and I doubt. And our doubt is more than understandable because we live in a world that's not fair and is broken. 
And God knows that. But God not, is not bound by this world and he's not bound by the brokenness in it. And in sending Jesus to you and to me, he kept his promise. Now you're saying to me, Shan, listen, I get all that, but uh, I, I, I remember hearing about a guy named Abraham and I, and I know about a guy named Moses. I'm not sure about that guy named David, but those guys lived a long time ago and those were promises made to those men. Yeah, I, I, I do understand that. Anybody... I know when I ask this question, it's really just going to be a few of you. Have anybody of you ever watched a football game? Okay, so you, so you know about that guy in the end zone that has that white sign? Uh, he, he, somebody either gave him those really good tickets in the end zone, but, but somehow one way or another, he got to sit right in the end zone, and every time there's a touchdown and or a field goal, that guy stands right on the edge, and he holds up a sign. It's usually a white sign with black letters and numbers, and that sign says John 3.16. And you're looking at it, and you might know what that means. You might not have the foggiest idea. The guy... What did he pay? $100, $200, $500 for that seat? And he's blocking his face to be exposed on national TV by a sign with those letters and numbers? What does that mean? That's another guy who has another story about Jesus. And in his story about Jesus, it says that God so loved this broken world that he sent his one and only son so that whoever believes in him won't really die, but will have eternal life. That's a promise for you and me. Right here, right now. God kept his promise then, and he will keep his promise now with you. Hope is a promise. A promise that says you don't have to live with a reputation you don't want. You don't have to continue to pay Uh, whatever fee someone else requires for a mistake that you said or did 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 40 years ago, you can be forgiven for that. Because God promised it could happen through Jesus. Hope is a promise. But it's not just a promise. Hope is a person. When Jesus said, guys, all the things that you've read about, all the things that you've heard about, that your father heard about, that your grandfather heard about, that their grandfather heard about, all those promises are about me. They're about me. I'm the Messiah that everyone's been waiting for. I came to fulfill the promises that God gave everyone. Hope is a person. And it's not simply because of the story that I read to you from Luke or the one I referred to from John. It's not just about academic history or even religious history. Hope has taken on a much more powerful context that you and I actually give a whole lot more credibility to. See, it's one thing if a guy like me stands up in a place like this and begins to talk about things like this because you're expecting to hear those kinds of stories. But when we walk out of this building and you go to work or you're sitting, you're talking with your neighbor down the street and, and before too long you realize that 
they know Jesus too. And how do they know that? How do they know him? Someone told them about Jesus. And the person that told them, someone else told them about Jesus. Because a long time ago, these very same people whom we're reading about just now, they saw something that they could not keep to themselves. And not only could they not keep it to themselves, but people who knew them recognized very quickly that their lives were different because of what they saw and who they knew. And they told someone about Jesus. And that person believed about Jesus. And believing in Jesus, their lives were changed. And changed so much that they told someone else, and they told someone else, and so on. And it's been going on for 20 centuries. I read recently about an MIT professor who, using data mining and an understanding of a lot of social contexts, has determined just how long fame stays in the culture. If I say the phrase, one hit wonder, does anybody know what that means? This is audience participation time. You can shout answers out right now. You can do that. One hit wonder. Anybody, anybody, what does a one hit wonder mean? Rick Springfield. That is an, uh, that, okay, he had two hits. That is a perfect example. One hit wonder. You get it. Somebody gets lucky and puts together a song and they sing it and somebody else buys it and picks it up and puts it on the radio for six months, eight months, maybe even a year. But after that, we never hear from this guy again unless you happen to be a 17-year-old girl when Rick Springfield was singing and you're now going to go to his concert. Even though he's 83 and uses a walker to play the guitar on stage, you're still going to go to that concert, right? That's a one-hit wonder. That's what we're talking about. No, this professor from MIT takes variables like that and he says when it's all said and done, whether it's the one-hit wonder, whether it's the guy who has an amazing season for one year in his professional sports career, or someone who really does have a Hall of Fame kind of career, their fame lasts anywhere from five to 30 years. Their fame basically lasts with those who remember them. And when those who remember them are no longer their fame is gone. Twenty centuries we've been celebrating hope. For twenty centuries, even though we like the chocolate bunnies, even though we get a kick out of the baskets, we know that it's more than that. We know we're hoping that it's more than that. Jesus said the Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name, in Jesus' name. God didn't give the name of a country. He didn't give the name of a church. He didn't give the name of a football team. He gave the name of his son. That is what John 3.16 is all about. He is the one these stories are all talking about. Hope is a promise and hope is a person. 
Now listen. I, I know when a guy like me in a place like this starts to talk about stories that I've shared with you, some of you kind of twist your heads a little bit like when you talk to the dog and he's not sure what's going on. You know, just, Really? I mean, really? Yeah, really. Part of the credibility of these stories that I'm sharing with you are these, these guys didn't know it was going to be happening and they talked about it. They did doubt. But something powerful happened there. And it's so powerful that it's lasted. The story keeps getting told generation after generation, year after year. Because that's what hope for everyone means. And when it's all said and done, notwithstanding the fact that you might say to me, Shan, you know, we've had a great day and, and it hasn't rained yet and I'm really, really happy, but I don't know. I, I understand that. But there's a whole bunch of you, I, I submit, that wants it to be true. You want it to be real. Because I want to throw this across your desk. If it's not real, then what's the point? And I'm not talking about Easter. I'm talking about everything. What's the point of everything? I mean, what's the point of, uh, of fighting for justice if it doesn't matter? Because if Jesus really did not raise from the dead... And, and someone just stole his body and threw him in another hole somewhere. And I'm being that matter of fact. Because inevitably, you and I are destined for nothing more than another hole somewhere else. And it really doesn't matter because after those who knew us no longer are, then we won't be remembered. And nobody will remember Tom Brady. And nobody will remember uh, the, the Red Sox winning a, a championship after 100 years because it doesn't matter. I mean, good grief, why recycle? It doesn't matter. But why? Because we want this world to matter for something. And it mattered so much that God sent his one and only son because he loved this world so much that he wanted to make a difference and say it does matter. How you live your life does matter. And having the opportunity to have your sins forgiven does matter. And I'm going to demonstrate this to you that it does matter by having the most significant event for all of history, for all people, for all time happen and it's about my son walking out of the grave. Hope for everyone. Hope that impacts families. That says marriages can give it an, can be given another chance. That relationships that seem to be irreparably damaged can be restored. People that just no matter what they try, no matter how they try it, just cannot break the chains of addiction. But because of the promise that Jesus gives, hey, listen, if a guy can walk out of the grave, then he can give me the power I need to stop doing the things that I don't want to do anymore. But it all starts 
with him. It all starts with your relationship with him. That whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have eternal life. That's where it starts. That forgiveness of sins and repentance for the forgiveness of sins are preached in his name. That's where it starts. Do you want to have hope? Do you want to have real hope? That is so much more than plastic green grass and starburst jelly beans. Do you want to have hope that is eternal? It's with Jesus. In just a minute, uh, we're going to have some people that are going to come. They're going to pass some trays that are full of small cups of juice and small pieces of bread. The juice and the bread represent the body of Jesus that was executed on the cross, executed by men, but sacrificed by God for my sin and for your sin so that our relationship with God can be restored. And having believed in Jesus and and repented of our sin, we can have that relationship restored. If if all those things seem kind of, it's a whirlwind and, and you're, it's, it's like the death uh, experience that you're trying to process it and you're not sure what it means. I'm going to be in the back after the service is over and you can come and talk to me if it's too busy and you can even take up one of those cards and you can say, you can write, I don't get it. This doesn't make sense to me. Uh, can we talk? Sure. Fill that card out, stick it in one of the boxes and, and I or somebody from the staff will get back to you and, and we can talk to you about that because I want you to have hope that is beyond you and me. So reach out if you'd like to and fill out one of those cards, talk to me in the back and do that. But as these trays come, we partake of these emblems to remember what Jesus did, to hold on to the promises that God gave, that he meant what he said and he said what he meant. Thank you, God. Thank you for hope. Guys, you can go back and you can get the trays. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. Thank you for doing something so spectacular that initially we doubted. Thank you for doing something so eternal that we can barely understand. But you wrote about it, and people have believed it, and generation after generation, people have said, coming to know Jesus has made all the difference in my life. God, thank you so much for those testimonies. Thank you for this time to remember what you've done for us. Father, there are people that are looking for hope. Sometimes hope placed in the wrong place leads to an even greater disappointment. Father, I pray that you would powerfully speak into those hearts that you would tell them that you love them so much you proved it by sending Jesus for us Father thank you so much for his sacrifice and in that sacrifice freedom and because of that freedom hope is now ours thank you so much we pray this in Jesus name Amen.